0: Uh, well, uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to City Legal. Uh, it's uh, uh, whether you're joining us uh, online because you're working uh, from home like many at the moment or if you're in a little um, uh, a little watch party in Silks Cafe and actually you can see there, that's the back of Silks Cafe in Sydney and we're gonna have a, a reader from there so we can kind of wave to them. Uh, or there's a, uh, Dave McCormack is a barrister up in Brisbane. He's got a little watch party in his chambers. Or if you're down in Melbourne, look, just a warm welcome um, to everyone and particularly those who, who are here in person. Um, uh, we really want to stand with you at this time and uh the hotel just asked me that if you could please just uh scan that qr code um uh, that that will uh, help them immensely my name is peter wrench and uh the city uh, city legal is a community that exists to consider the uh the bigger questions of life with silks and suits in cities right around australia and we do that by looking at the bible together and the format for those who are new in our midst and a special welcome to you is a short talk followed by q a Q&A and you can ask questions at any time by texting to the number that you see on the screen, uh, in the chat function, or on the sheets of paper in front of you. We have a friend, uh, Rob, down in Melbourne, actually, and he's actually gonna be receiving all the messages and forwarding, forwarding them on to our speaker. Uh, um, talking about our speaker, we're, we're incredibly uh, delighted to have speaking for us again, David Robertson, who's the director of Third Space, and um, uh, he's gonna be uh, responding to Professor Nick aroni's paper on law uh, education uh, and religion that he delivered on the 6th of August at City Legal. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. Now I actually thought it'd be good to get a, a local, a Canberra local lawyer up here to, to interview David just briefly. So I've asked uh, Robert Ceramides to do this. So Robert used to manage actually as a business manager for a hundred or so lawyers at Australian Government Solicitor. And I imagine that must have been like a herding cats. Um, but please, please welcome Robert and David as they come up.
1: Hello, David. I'm meant to do a Parkinson on you, I think. So, look. I hear that you've had a bit of a run-in with the Department of Immigration. I mean, I remember lawyers here in Sydney? I'm sure they'll give you their first hour for free. Can you brief us? Immigration law. Wow. That, that's that. I hadn't realised it was so complicated. Um, I have a visa, uh, a two-year visa, which allows me, apparently, to come and go as I please from Australia, as long as I'm not away for 90 days. Um, however apparently the law has changed without the law being changed because i wanted to go back to my daughter's wedding in december and i was told uh, i could leave but then it would annul my visa and that i would be um and I, it's a typical lawyer's thing because i said "Oh, you so you're saying i can't leave oh no no you can leave i said yeah but you really de facto always use latin with lawyers Works wonder, de facto you're saying i can't leave because i would my visa would be cancelled i'd have to apply for a new visa i'd lose my job lose my house um, so i can't leave so actually i'm it's quite funny i said i was coming to uh, joked about coming to what, what do you call it a, not a criminal island but <laughs> and, and 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 strangely enough i find myself in alcatraz not allowed to, <laughs> not allowed to leave just like people in north korea it's great well, <laughs> perhaps on a more personal level you've, you've had a near death experience as some of us understand is that yeah. something that's affected that you could be oblivious well, uh, probably the easiest thing is to say that uh, uh, I wrote about this experience. It's it, it a defining experience for my, uh, for my life in many ways. In 2011, actually back to my other daughter, she'd just got married. And then a few months later, I collapsed in a pool of blood outside the church after another wedding. And I ended up in a coma, in and out of a coma for seven weeks. Um, it was meant to be a simple um, endoscopy, things like that hate that word and uh, it turned out it wasn't simple it turned out i was gushing blood over main arteries and all that kind of stuff and then i got e coli of the lung and i got pneumonia and i wasn't supposed to live and i was supposed to be they told my wife if he does live um, he basically he won't be able to work he won't be able to walk he'd basically not be brain dead but be severely brain damaged and i know all the retorts you know how do you know you're not (laughs) but so that's what I blame it on. And I just say, look, I was, I, I had a, but it was an extraordinary experience in lots of ways. Uh, I'm joking about it a bit, but it was a very dark experience. Um, I was asked once, did you like go to heaven and St. Peter turn you back from the pearly gates and say, go to Australia? No, nah, that, that's not what happened at all. It was, it was just a very dark and hard experience, but the Lord brought me through it and I'm very grateful.
0: Thank you. Well, I'm going to ask uh, David to come up in a few moments and begin speaking to us. But he's actually asked that a short a passage from an ancient Israelite wisdom text be read for us. That's known as Proverbs, and uh, if you're here, you can see it on your handouts on the inside front cover, uh, and if you're uh, joining us online, you can see it in the chat function. And I've actually um, asked uh, Lisa, Lisa Davidson, up in Sydney, Silk's Cafe. Um, to to read for us. So she's going to read the first uh, six or so verses and hopefully the sound will work okay. If it doesn't, that's okay. Um, Over to you, Lisa. Thank you, Peter. The passage is the first part of Proverbs 8 where if wisdom was personified, she would say how much she wants to be found by everyone. Proverbs 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries out. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. So I hope you got
1: that last bit. Listen, if I have trustworthy things to say, I open my mouth to speak what is right. So, um, Proverbs, is, Proverbs is just such a great book, and I am going to refer to it as we go through this. I... What, what I'm going to say just now would uh, normally take me about an hour and a half, so this is condensed. But you're all uh, the reason for doing that is um, I, I'm very interested in the interaction. For me, this is extremely important and crucial to uh, our individual and our corporate health, particularly um, as as a culture, as uh, a nation. I thought. Nicholas Aronis' paper, Law, Education and Religion Pathways to the Good Society, was absolutely superb. Um, I have, I, 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 there's lots of things that I would want to engage with it, but I want to just reinforce a couple of things and then suggest uh, there's one area where it didn't go far enough. Now, he, he just reminded remind you in some aspects of the paper, he said, when calamity strikes, the best and only solutions we can imagine are more laws and better education. We see that all the time, a, a call for an inquiry. Um, one of the things that in modern society, when a disaster occurs, people who are gonna be employed are counselors, uh, media, and lawyers. You know, we do, you get an inquiry and you pay millions sometimes, to have a lawyer-led inquiry or a legal inquiry because understandably and I think justifiably uh, legally you we are you're seen as uh, being more trustworthy and I hope that that is true but I think we all recognize as well that just having laws is not enough you do need some form of social contract so let's just take the situation in Melbourne just now Uh, It is very much on the edge at one level. If even 10% of the population were to say, get stuffed with this, there is no way that these kind of things can be enforced. Now, it's interesting that when you look at the Swedes, how the Swedes viewed things, they basically said, we want people to do this, but we can't make it law. Uh, Constitutionally, actually, they couldn't, but we can't make it law, and it wouldn't work anyway, because at some point, people are going to rebel against the law. And it's it's a very, I think it's a very interesting idea, but law only exists in a society, or only works in a society, where people are law-abiding overall. Um, If 20,000 people decide to go on a march through Sydney, you're gonna arrest them all? No. If it's a much smaller number, then you could do that. Tied in with this as well is is education. So we recognize law is limited, but um, Nicholas said that Even education is a limited and incomplete strategy. Education is deficient because it can only inform our minds and fill our heads with information. And he he argued that we needed law, we need education, but we also need religion because he said religion offers something that mere law and uh, education cannot. Religion penetrates to the heart, it motivates the will. There are not only two, but rather three pathways to the good society, law, education, and religion. Now, he gave two views of law, one of law as restraining. And that actually is a biblical concept of law. So Paul in Romans says the authorities that exist exist to punish evil, to restrain evil. And although that sounds a fairly negative concept, it's actually an extremely positive one. I enormously like the fact that if someone breaks into my house, they are going to go to jail. I think that is quite a restraining factor. uh, And I think it's a good, for me... um, don't know oh, this, oh, this is on camera, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm assuming it's not being broadcast to the whole wide world. I just got my first speeding ticket. you know? Now, um, that has acted as a restraining factor uh, as I came up here. I, I would plead mit- lots of things in mitigation, but knowing you, you can get a speeding ticket is a restraining factor. But also, Nicholas argued that law is moral. Now I think law is based upon morality. It has to be. There do have to be concepts of good and evil, but whether law itself can induce or give morality is, I think, highly questionable. I think law can be an expression of a collective uh, morality and where that comes from. Morality, in one sense, has to be absolute, but in another sense, it, in many cases, it is also relative and um I think that's a difficult thing to work at in terms of law. Education, there were two views of education. Education is primarily concerned with the transmission of knowledge and the development of skills. This is a pragmatic or instrumental view of education. The goal of education is to fill children's heads with facts and equip their hands with practical skills. I would put a slight nuance on that today. I don't think that the practical view of education today is about filling children's heads with facts. I think the transmission of facts actually is something that we've largely lost i think it's about filling children's heads with opinions and uh, a form of social engineering so i would disagree with nicholas a little bit on that Uh, there are not many people who are learning things by rote and there are not many people who are just having you know like a sponge having facts instilled in them i uh uh a friend who has just had a book come out actually who worked for many many years as a, a teacher lecturer missionary in indonesia malaysia and elsewhere in the countries around there and when he came back to scotland he said to me a couple of years ago he said david he says this is the difference this is why the 21st century is going to be the century of the eastern countries and i said why he said because In Scotland, when I go to Singapore, for example, or Kuala Lumpur, the students keep asking me questions because they want to find out what I know. In Scotland, they want to tell me what they know, which is precious little. But this idea that that people don't know things and they need to learn them, I think that's becoming less and less uh, clear. Now, here's a fascinating thing. I, I thought what Nicholas pointed out was brilliant. And this is true. I've looked at this as well. The, the, goal of educate, uh, sorry, the more educated you are vocationally, the less likely you are to change your views. You'd think, oh, we're more educated. So you think of, uh, let's just take something non-controversial like, let's say, Brexit or something in the United Kingdom. And the view generally is, oh, well, the educated people are for the EU and the dumbed-down ones are not. And that's usually said by people who don't think about anything at all. It's just, if you're educated, this is what you do. It's a bit like, uh, I'm sometimes many people who say, well, I'm an educated person, therefore I don't believe in God. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever discussed this? No, no, educated people don't believe in God, and it's just a circular argument. One man even said to me, I cannot have an intelligent conversation with you because you believe in God, and intelligent people don't believe in God. And I said, dumb people use circular arguments. And the conversation didn't really go uphill after that. Um... So, but anyway, he, Nicholson went on to argue that sees education is primarily directed to the formation of good character. And again, I'm not sure that that's where we are at. I do think we are at this stage of social engineering. And I do think we're a little bit at Ald- Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, training people for jobs, determining where they're going, when they're about 11 or 12. I'm sorry, but giving careers guidance to an 11-year-old is absurd. And putting people into boxes, you know, you're going to be a hairdresser, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. Really? Surely education should be about educating the mind, first of all, not about determining people's status, social status, or work status in later life. And I would suggest the Christian aspect of education is a little bit more nuanced. I think much of what we call education today is telling people what to think. I don't think it's actually giving them facts. I think it's telling them what to think. This is what an education person would think. It's why, for example, in one study, 97% of university students in Dublin were pro-EU. Now, I'm sorry. 97% approval of any political policy is North Korean style. In, In liberal democracies, that does not make any sense to me whatsoever. People, there should be disagreement, there should be discussion, there should be questioning. Um, I can't even get myself to 97% agree with myself. So it, it just seemed a rather strange thing that that's often where we go. Instead of teaching, the Christian view of education is instead of teaching people what to think, although we impart information, the primary thing is to teach them how to think. So that's why in all the ancient universities in Europe, which were founded on Christian principles, what you studied first was philosophy. And then after that, you studied law and medicine and history and other things. But to to know how to think is really, really important. In in terms of religion, I would say that uh, I um, regard my job personally as just to encourage people to think. I, th- I think you can have religion which is dumbed down and does a great deal of harm now the passage you read in wisdom we didn't read the whole of um, Proverbs 8 but I love this um, I think I think lawyers should read this all the words of my mouth are just none of them is crooked or perverse choose my instruction instead of silver knowledge rather than choice gold wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her uh, wisdom is what we should be seeking for people to have. Education should be about wisdom. That includes character, includes all the other things as well. We have an insult in Scotland. My mother would often use it. She'd just go, oh, he's no wise. See that Boris Johnson, he's no wise. Or the, and, and you'd say, but anyone. And wisdom is not tied in with the degrees that you have. Wisdom is tied in with how you use what you know. And that, again, is a, is a crucial aspect to this. Um, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight, I have power. This is wisdom speaking. By me, king's reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. It's funny how word, a word like justice has become almost as demeaned as a word like love. I want to know what people mean by justice because I hear people, go, we want justice for this and justice for that. Often it means we want our enemies or the people we disagree with to get their just desserts. But for us, no, no. we're Well, our just desserts probably we think are, are much better than that. So I think there are all kinds of problems in these approaches. So look, we've got law, very important. We've got education, really important. But what about religion? I was fascinated with this description in Uh, Australian law religion has been defined as involving belief in a supernatural being thing or principle acceptance of canons of conduct giving effect to that belief and the existence of an identifiable group of people who adheres to those beliefs and practices which just kind of makes religion sound really dull and I actually think in that context it almost certainly is really dull Now, Nicholas then went on to say there's a second approach which focuses on the much older term, religio, conceived not as a system of beliefs and practices, but as a personal virtue, justice. And he cites Augustine, and Augustine is fascinating to read, particularly uh, The City of God, where he deals with this and other questions in a decaying culture, and the, the, the notion of religion being to bring humility. Uh, he argues that religious education is about the formation of character and recognizes that truly good character depends ultimately on our inner motives and the inclination of our wills. This is where I would agree, disagree with Nicholas to some degree. I think, insofar as he goes, it's correct, but because it doesn't go far enough, it's a bit like there's a, there's a, a massive chasm here and you're trying to jump from one to the other and someone goes three quarters of the way, you're still going to fall down. You have to go the whole way. And what the Bible says about religion is very interesting. So, for example, you get James 1 26 to 27, which does talk about humility. It does talk about pure religion being to care for the, the widow and the fatherless and to keep yourself from being unspotted by the world. But it depends upon one very simple thing law depends on this, education depends on this. It depends on people being good. All systems get screwed up by people. And all systems, all difficulties, it's human fault and human sin. Those of you who are involved, for example, in, in reconciliation tribunal, for some bizarre reason, uh, I've, I belong to uh, a group of Australian lawyers that are involved with reconciliation. I don't know how I got signed up. Somebody signed me up. So it's great. I get older stuff. It's really interesting reading some of it. But you know, you're sitting down with a couple who are maybe going to divorce or whatever, and There's fault and no fault and all the rest of it. The reality is there's no such thing as no fault. By the way, I saw something really interesting today. Heard something just really interesting before I came in. On the citizenship test, if I ever decide to become a citizen of this wonderful country, um, I will have to, for the first time, answer questions about Australian values. I am so desperate to find out what these Australian values are. Apparently, according to the news, it includes mateship. So I can say, good day, mate. I'll be there. That's all right. Um, It includes mateship and divorce. I just thought, oh, what a fascinating value to highlight. Well, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that's basically aimed at uh, Muslims or others. I don't know. I it just thought, just, oh, what, what a strange value to have as a key aspect of, of being Australian is that you're able to divorce. Um, but in all these situations, you need good people. And I think, I want to argue that religion can actually be a harmful force. Just because someone is religious, this is where I'm with Richard Dawkins, doesn't make them good, and it doesn't mean their religion is necessarily good. In fact, religion can cause a great deal of harm, and I've seen it cause a great deal of harm, even professing Christianity at times. I would argue that ultimately what makes a good society, yes, education, yes, law, yes, if you like, religion, but a good society is made by good people, and education, law, and religion don't make people good and people are not de facto good. It's something much more radical. That's what Jesus came to say. Now, um, Christianity without Christ. I I just read something again yesterday about someone in Australia claiming to be a Calvinist, but they don't believe in God. Uh, Way to go. That's the most miserable of all lives. Um, (laughs) But fair enough. You want to take that route. But um, Christianity, you know, Christian Without Christ, take Christ out of Christian, what you're left with? Ian. And Ian won't save you. That's basically uh, what we need. So I would argue, I don't think it's the state's responsibility or the law's responsibility. I don't think Christianity can be imposed by law. But I would argue that what Nicholas said was not enough. People need Christ. And that is, a, a, I think the state should recognize that, by the way, and I think education should recognize that but cannot impose it and because we need forgiveness, we need grace, we need mercy, and we need love. Right, I'm going to leave it there because um, I think my time is up and okay. we're going to work on right. questions. So
0: we'll give David just a moment to catch his breath. So this is the chance. It's over to you uh, to ask a question. So you'll see on the front of uh, your sheet here, or if you're joining us online, uh, the number's been posted in the chat. Go for it. Text your questions in. Uh, if you're here in person, you may also use the pen that the uh, Hotel car drunks provided to write a, a note uh, on a that, uh, plain piece of paper, and I can come around in a moment and pick it up. Uh, the questions are going to be sent through uh, to David's phone. We've got plenty of time, uh, and if, you, if you're feeling brave and you want to get up here, uh, you can come up here and, and uh, use this mic and um, ask David your questions live, and we may even get some questions from Sils Cafe, I'm hoping. Someone from Silks is going to be happy to do that. Okay, so um, David, have you got some questions to go on? Oh, already? Okay, well, just uh, you go for it and I'll go around and pick up any other questions.
1: Okay. Um, Really good one here. What's your evidence to support the idea that secular education is telling people what to think? Some of it's anecdotal. Um, A a lot, a huge amount of it is experience. Um, I, I go and... I listen to students and basically a lot of people are just concerned about passing exams so I can think of one private school which charges really high fees what do the parents think they're buying they think they're buying good exam results and I think analytical thinking is it's it does exist it's still there and obviously I made a sweeping generalization which isn't true in every circumstance but I, I I See little evidence of critical thinking. Um, for example, if I go and speak at a university now, I have to watch every single single thing that I say because someone is going to get upset, and that's the criteria by which everything is judged. So I was told by somebody, "You cannot say this because it will upset someone." And I, I said, "You're kidding me. I I can't even talk to myself without upsetting someone." So. You know you really want me to talk to all these people without triggering someone and the answer is yes and that's why so much conversation is so bland Um, so I, I do think there's the I think there is a general dumbing down within culture not an absolute one but there is a general dumbing down and I think there's this emphasis on getting qualifications rather than getting wisdom in education, and this is maybe an example of this, the second question Do you think that critical theory studies are a good way of teaching people how to think? Um, no, they're almost precisely the opposite. Critical theory studies tell you what, it's like, it's like watching a film and the film has subtitles which say, Feel happy at this point. This means this at this point. Cry here. You know, okay, I mean, some films do that through music. In case you weren't aware that you were supposed to be upset at someone being killed. The music plays and you know to get your emotions going. A, a lot of, now, depends what the questionnaire means by critical theory studies. But a, a lot of critical theory studies are saying this is the case. So, for example, when young people are taught, if you are white, you are racist as a fact. And if you don't recognize that, it's because you're racist. Where do you go? You know, it, it, I mean, it's an absurd thing to teach at that level of fundamentalism, but that is what is taught, and I come across it all the time, that, that kind of thing. Now, you can, get, you can get it taught from different perspectives. I think you can get it from a, a right-wing perspective, although in academia, that's much, much less likely uh, now than it used to be, but you can... Um, you know, I guess if, if you read the Spectator Australia, which I do and which I really like at one level, uh, but mainly because it's got the Spectator UK within it, <laughs> but the Spectator Australia sometimes verges on the level of if you are pro-environmental at all, then you must be a cultural Marxist. I'm thinking, no, that doesn't, that doesn't follow. Don't think like that. You know, in fact, that's not thinking. Stop labeling people. That's one of the problems that we got. We label people. I find myself stuck in this enormous uh, dichotomy where my favorite writers at the moment tend to be gay atheists. And I find myself agreeing a lot more with them than I do with a lot of Christian writers. I'm going, ah, what's wrong? But that fits with my worldview because God can speak through different people. The only absolute truth for me I find in the scriptures. So I think critical theory studies are actually part of what is wrong it's not telling, you're not saying this is how you think critically. It's saying this is what you should think. This is the criticism. We're spoon feeding you this. And if you're a decent human being, this is what you will feel. I I once went to a university once and somebody introduced themselves in the Q&A. He said, it's a university of 10,000 people. He said, "Um, I'm the only Trump supporter in this university. And I said, well, I want to stand up and applaud you. Although I completely disagree with you, but you're brave in this university to do that. And he was, afterwards, after the particular thing uh, I was doing, I was speaking on euthanasia, one of the lecturers came up to me and said, David, that was unbelievable. I've never seen students change their mind. And a lot of them changed their mind after you spoke, so they had a vote and before and after. She said, you're a very, very dangerous man. I said, why? She said, we are a liberal university, and you taught something that we don't teach. I said, if you were a liberal university, you would teach what I teach, and you would let the students make up their own mind. You would teach different points of view, but what you've just said is these students have only been exposed to one. When they got exposed to another, he says, yeah, but you were dangerous because you used humor and rationality and, and knowledge. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I just used, in theory, your own weapons. And that's going to be an extreme example under the other, again, but um, uh, there's a, a wee note from Nick, uh, Aroni saying, uh, thanks for de- de- developing and extending the argument in the paper. And I'm, I'm, Maybe I wasn't supposed to read that. Maybe that's a private thing. But actually, I do want to say I really want to commend that paper. And I would say to you, Nick, actually, if you're watching this, that I found it really stimulating. And I'm getting hard to get stimulated nowadays. I'm getting old and cynical. And and I did find your paper really, really, really stimulating and worth interacting with and engaging. And that's actually what I want with things. You know, that we should be creating things that people don't go. Yes, that's it. No one can ever just go, yes, I think there's good stuff here and I want to interact and I want to change. The, the Socratic method of question and answer and so on, I'm so used to it. Nowadays, if you question, you're accused of being belligerent. You know, okay, let me just give you one example. Sorry, this, I'll give you an example of this. David Hume, you've all heard of David Hume, the great Scottish atheist enlightenment thinker, responsible for the Enlightenment and Nazism. No, (laughs) uh, there's a link that can go all the way through. But Hume was, you know, I I don't agree with Hume. His argument about miracles I don't accept. But he was a great thinker. I used to study in David Hume Tower. Guess what? Edinburgh University have decided, because of pressure from their Students Association, to rename David Hume Tower number 42 George Street. Why? Because David Hume wrote some racist things. 300 years ago or whatever. You're going, you are kidding me. Do you realize how many people you're going to have to cancel? Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, you know, you're just going to have to go through the whole law. And I, I said this, I said, this is the, an example of the dumbed down, you know, unforgiving society that we live in. And somebody actually wrote me and said to say something like that is graceless and you should never criticize. And I just wrote back, by your own pretard to criticize me for being graceless is graceless you know and and but that's the level that we are at and it's the level that a, a lot of our media is at. and I find it just incredibly sad and incredibly difficult um, in, 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 in engaging with all of that let me just do this one how do we use uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I can't read this. It's a fisk, practically. That's my best ring. That is your best ring. Uh, sorry. Uh, uh, are you a doctor? <laughs> can, could you just speak the question? Because i just... Yeah. Yeah. We'll give you the mic so that they can, they can hear it on in, in Sydney.
0: David, I absolutely uh, agree, which is probably a problem with uh, you know, 90% of what you said. And, uh, of course, like you, I, I have... Uh, absolute regard for uh, Nick Arone is a, a great friend and colleague, but I, I just wonder, having identified all these problems, particularly just if I look at one
1: area with education, you know, yeah. how do we practically fix it? You know, um, how do we practically fix it? You know, th- this for me is, I want I, wa- I want to go drip 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 drip. I don't think revolution fixes it. Um, Sidon Top's book, The Making of the Western Individual, suggests that the European mind was changed over a period of 400 years. I think, particularly Christians, are far too short-term. And I think, bizarrely, we're looking for revolution all the time, when, spiritually speaking, it's almost like an evolution. I, I think the revolution that our society has undergone will eat itself. And I think, I think you're seeing that with the trans stuff right now. Um, and we're, we're, we're now in a society where there's book burning, and it's not Christians. I mean, when I was born, it was some Christians in the southern U.S. burning Beatles albums. And now it's progresses burning J.K. Rowling books. You know, and it's not... I, well, I mean, when J.K. Rowling started, I wrote, had to write a defense of her in a Christian magazine saying she wasn't a witch and she wasn't promoting witchcraft. Um, and now what we find is that Rowling, is, um, her books are being burned. I mean, there's pictures of her books being burned today. Just bizarre, that's where we're in. So for me, how we counter that is by communicating truth, by living truth, and by being involved particularly in these spheres. So the sphere of um, you know, education, religion, if you like, um, and law, I, this, one of the reasons I come here is I, I don't share the common view of lawyers that you're a bunch of crooks just trying to make money out of people's misery. It's true, or one of two of you, and I know who you are. But, <laughs> but I, 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 I just don't share that view. I think having lawyers who believe in justice and also mercy is just absolutely phenomenally important. So I think you just keep working away. Doing, you do the bit the best that you can, and as a Christian, you live for Christ, and you seek. I mean, I do think we, we've, we've ignored education far too much. Uh, and I also think in churches, we've dumbed down too much as well. I don't mean people need to be mega-academic, but I think we've expected far too little of the people coming to church, saying, no, no, we want you to think, start thinking.
0: And a Yeah. Okay. Thank you, David. As a lover of gay, atheist, writers, do you think that we could have pure religion that James talks about without any belief in God uh, or in Christ.
1: Okay. Um, uh, Ian, by the way, good to see you. Sorry for the joke about you can't be saved by Ian, but it's true. <laughs> um, you can have religion without Christ, and, and actually you can have religion without God. How, how, how does that happen? Well, first of all, Buddhism is, is, an, ex- is an example of that. Um, but also, I would say, you, you cannot have a human society without religion. So North Korea is meant to be an atheist society, but I think it's fundamentally religious. I think it's run on religious grounds, a combination of um, uh, things borrowed from Christianity, but largely from uh, ancient Confucian and Korean re- and religion. I think if uh, you end up with an entirely secular society, you know probably Victoria is the one that's most near it in Australia, it will still be a religious society. The Bible spends far more time warning about false religion than it does about atheism. It gives very little attention to atheism. And not because there weren't atheists, but because atheism is just so irrational, it just doesn't work. But religion, in the words of Led Zeppelin, is humanity buying a stairway to heaven. Christianity is Christ coming down to our, us. I think we, you can have religion without God. You can have religion without Christ. And I think it's very dangerous because you end up making human beings God and that we're, we're not meant to be that.
0: Okay, now we, we may just have time for one more question. Have you got any, any more on your phone or any, anyone from uh, the crowd here or in Silks?
1: Uh, no, not on going, my phone unless I missed okay. it. Going, going, gone. okay. All right,
0: well, please um, please join me in thanking David for sharing of his heart.
1: Can I, can, sorry, can I just say in terms of, you know, what I've done is a fairly superficial at one level, broad response to Nick's paper. Um, and again, I, I do c- commend it, but I think these, I, I, I genuinely absolutely believe that these issues are, really crucial, and we need to spend time um, thinking about them. And I think there are key books that help you ask, what can we do? I do actually think there are key books that are coming not from Christian sources. So, for example, Douglas Murray, The Madness of Crowds. I, I would regard that as essential reading for virtually anybody. There's, there's a new book come out. I've just ordered it. It's just in Australia out this week um, by the people who uh, parodied critical race theory, Oh, I've forgotten their names now, but it was, uh, um, it, it is on critical theory and I'm told it's brilliant. And I think it will be real what's that? Cynical theories. Cynical theories, that's the title of the book. Yeah, my copy is literally on its way. It might even be here today. So um, I would highly recommend that as well. And then on things like environmental issues, there are books like Schellenberger's um, uh, Apocalypse Never which is fascinating because here's someone who's going against the grain of his own group, You've got a green environmentalist who's pro-nuclear. And I'm, you know, I'm reading all this stuff and thinking, wow, it's just, for me, it's very stimulating having people not being contrarian, there are contrarians, but people who are thinking things through and coming to different conclusions. And I would suggest from a Christian perspective, it's actually very good to have a broader reading than just your own. Often in Christians, we just have our own tribe, not even just Christian. We just have our own own tribe, you know, and that's not a good thing. I think it's good to be able to read and to read critically.
0: Well, um, thank you again, David. It has been an incredibly stimulating conversation and, and I, I take it this is the start of, of a conversation, so. of a journey. And so uh, thank you so much. And thank you to, to Nick for um, Yeah, Thank you. Please, please applaud David again. And uh, thanks so much to, to Nick up in, in Queensland, uh, University of Queensland for kind of launching and starting this whole discussion. Uh, just a, uh, one minute of, of housekeeping, uh, important housekeeping though. The only way to find out about future city legal events is to fill in this form, which is here in paper um, or online you'll be sent um, a feedback form. So please do fill that in if you would like to find out about any future city legal events and maybe david a response to critical theory next time or something um the the other thing i want to draw your attention to is on that on that form um you'll see there's two things this is my two boxes this is my first city legal meeting that may be appropriate for you the second one i'm interested in investigating the bible's claims i said uh, right at the beginning that the city legal community exists to consider the bigger questions of life and we do that by looking at the bible together uh if you would like if, if david has said something which has struck a chord uh, which has resonated with you, which has you know, piqued your interest, and you'd like just to sit down with someone from City Legal and uh, have a look at the Bible together, ask questions or just discuss, have a cup of coffee, whatever, um, please tick that box, pop your details in there or respond um, to the online form and we can take the conversation further. So, look, thank you so much again for being with us today and, and we'll, we'll hopefully see you next time. Bye-bye.